Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live and move to the UK. Javon Phillips has supported independent tech news directly for about a day. Why not be like Javon and become a DTNS member at patreon.com slash DTNS. This is the Daily Tech News for Tuesday, May 21st, 2019. In Los Angeles, I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Feline, I'm Sarah Lane. And from somewhat overcast skies, I am Roger Chang, the show's producer. We've got um, more Huawei news for you today. We tried to make a Huawei sandwich, all right? <laughs> we've got we've got a little, little non-Huawei news at the top, then some p- bunch of Huawei news in the middle, and then some non-Huawei news uh, for the bread at the bottom. Uh, but it's all important. It's good stuff to to know and try to understand what's going on as things get a little crazy in the supply chain world of technology. So let's start with a few tech things you should know. Sony Interactive Entertainment President and CEO Jim Ryan told investors, the streaming era is upon us and is about to be Again, a period of rapid growth. He said 5.6 million PS4 owners use remote play. Ryan did say that the next generation of PlayStation will have a disk drive. Yeah, take that, Google. Mozilla launched Firefox 67 for Windows, Mac, Linux, and Android. The browser includes faster startup, deprioritizing lesser used features uh, to save you on some memory, suspending unused tabs, crypto mining blockers, and fingerprinting. Firefox 67 also adds password saving and support for extensions to your private browsing mode and adds voice input in the Android search widget. For desktop users, the toolbar is now fully keyboard accessible and web render support for NVIDIA comes on Windows 10. The desktop version is available for download at firefox.com and existing users can upgrade automatically. The Android version is rolling out on Google Play. Man, considering I have 400 unused tabs open at all times, it's probably time for me to switch back to Firefox. Huawei launched its new Honor 20 series of smartphones in London on Tuesday. The Honor 20 Pro runs on Huawei's Kirin 980 processor with quad rear cameras, side-mounted fingerprint scanners, and has a 6.26-inch display with a hole punch for the front-facing camera. The Honor 20 Pro, Honor 20, and Honor 20 Lite will sell for 599 euros, that's about $669, 499 euros, and 299 euros, respectively. Huawei says the models are certified by Google, so will come with Google Apps. However, they're released too late to receive OS-level updates from Google while U.S. restrictions exist. Huawei will have to provide those as they appear on the Android open source project. 
And Alphabet-owned Verily announced a strategic alliance with pharmaceutical companies Novartis, Sanofi, Atsuka, and Pfizer to help it expand its reach in the medical studies market. Verily wants to make it easier to enroll and participate in trials and then be able to combine data across sources like electronic medical records and health tracking devices. Verily uses Google ads to find patients based on health-related searches and suggests that they join company projects. All right. Uh, since we last met, the uh, U.S. Department of Commerce has had a marginal change of heart. Uh, Sarah, tell us about it. Monday afternoon, the U.S. Department of Commerce granted Huawei a general license to buy some U.S. goods until August 19th in order to maintain existing telecoms networks and provide software updates to Huawei phones. The move is intended to give telecom operators time to make other arrangements. This will allow Google to provide security updates to Huawei for its existing Android-based phones, Otherwise, Huawei would have to delay as it waits for security updates to appear on the open source project that's behind Android. Huawei is still prohibited from buying U.S.-made hardware and software to make new products, and the Commerce Department will reevaluate the extension in 90 days, perhaps extending it beyond that. Perhaps not. Huawei CEO Ren Zhengfei said that the U.S. underestimates Huawei's capabilities. Oh, yeah. We're going to get into that a little bit. But but the uh, the upshot here is uh, a little bit of the pressure is off. Uh, I don't know if Huawei is allowed to stockpile parts under this. I don't think they are. I'm not sure if Huawei is allowed to provide those Android updates uh, to new phones like the Honor phones we just talked about. We don't think they are. There might be a way for them to get around it. There's there's still a lot of uh, details to be worked out on this. Uh, but it is a, a softening of the move from yesterday, which probably has more meaning in the world of trying to figure out trade negotiations than it does in consumer tech. But for the moment, it's good news if you hold a Huawei phone already. If you already own one, uh, it means that you should be able to get those Google security updates for Android uh, at the same time that you normally have. They will not be delayed. And you'll continue to have access to all your Google Play services and everything. You mentioned stockpiling. I, I, you know, Is there some sort of a, a number where it's like, now you guys are just you're buying too much? More than you would need for 90 days yeah, type that, thing. That, that, that would... is the question, right? Is 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 sort of like they what they want to do, what the Commerce Department has said particularly is we want ISPs to figure out a transition off of Huawei equipment. However, we're giving them 90 days to figure that out. And so during that those 90 days, we'll allow Huawei to sell them parts uh, to fix and maintain the units they have right now. So, you know, a card goes bad, they can they can order a replacement card from Huawei, you know, that kind of thing. But how do they tell? How do they enforce that? That's the devil's in the details there. Yeah. Uh, the Verge took the list of components from iFixit's teardown of the Huawei P30 Pro to give us an idea of what kind of parts come from the U.S. and where it could get replacements once that stockpile of parts uh, runs out. Uh this is just the P30 Pro, so this isn't representative of every phone from Huawei. Different phones use different parts. But for the P30 Pro, uh, the Gorilla Glass comes from the U.S., uh, so that would have to be replaced and could be replaced by Dragon Trail from Japan's AGC Asahi Glass, which is also used in the Pixel 3a. So there's even a, a major phone out there with it. Uh, Micron Storage could be replaced by Toshiba or Samsung uh, or possibly even be replaced in-house. High Silicon has supposedly been developing some external storage, some, some SD card kind of stuff, which could be adapted. Skyworks and Corvo networking cards might be the hardest. Now, those aren't used in every model of Huawei, but in the ones used in in the United States uh, or sold in North America and Europe uh, for LTE, those are going to be the harder ones to replace. Uh, They might need to be developed in-house. 
And of course, Android, uh, which, as we just heard right now, they can continue providing some security updates. Uh, also, they can just use the Android Open Source Project, which delays updates from what they would get from Google. Uh, but Huawei is supposedly developing its own operating system as well. Yeah, and that you know that's the whole. We were talking about this yesterday. Like, okay, well, how much is the company bluffing because they have to you know seem like they're strong? Like, we knew this was coming. We've already thought about this. How easy in 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 theory? It's like okay, well, there are other companies who make the same kind of technology that Huawei would be interested in outside the U.S. But in practice, how easy is it to you know change all of that supply chain? Yeah, and and it sounds like in some cases uh, it might be easy to find the replacement part. Remember, there's also the the difficulty of changing your supply chain uh of of validating that a part works well in the system you've put it in and putting it through testing and making sure you can support it and your drivers are there for your software you know it's it's not as easy as just swapping out the part uh although with things like the glass maybe it, it becomes a little easier it's never simple uh there are also parts that are going to be difficult to replace and that that's where this comes down to is can they keep going after they eliminate their stockpile uh, they are putting on the bold face saying, yeah, we will not have any problems. Don't worry. We'll keep delivering you security updates. We'll keep delivering you phones. I am, you know, Huawei is, is not saying anything that makes it look like it is, it is worried in the least, which is, you know, the right thing that is what the stockholders want to hear I, for sure. And, and I will add that the biggest hurdle will of course be the OS, right? Like delivering a software product is one thing, but maintaining and iterating it successively to the to the satisfaction of the of your of your uh, of your cu- customer base that's that's the tricky part yeah well i mean i think it's all tricky but yeah you're right that is not an easy thing to do which makes me think they'll want to stay with the android open source project which is what most phones in china do it's what huawei does in china already so the verge notes that while microsoft has not made any statement about licensing windows to huawei the mate x pro windows laptop is no longer available in the microsoft store as of this weekend 810 huawei uses windows on its consumer laptops in its network servers and in a hybrid cloud solution for microsoft's azure stack my interpretation of this is that microsoft is being very cagey they don't want to make any announcements about windows until they have to uh, and so until they need to provide a new uh, license agreement, it's possible that Huawei has an agreement that's already signed that allows them to install a certain number of windows. And it was signed before these restrictions went into place. So Microsoft doesn't have to take any action or take on any liability for it. Uh, and at which point they can they can hold off and see if this ends. Uh, I get the feeling that Microsoft is hoping that this just all goes away before they ever have to make an announcement about that sort of thing. But just to hedge their bets, they pull the MateBook X off the store so they're not seen as selling something from Huawei, which might muddy the waters. The U.S. has issued an alert warning consumers that Chinese-made unmanned aerial vehicles, a.k.a. quadcopters, a.k.a. drones, could pose a security risk to U.S. businesses and other organizations. The alert did not name companies, but China's DJI holds around 70% of the U.S. market for UAVs. DJI said it gives its customers complete control over their data, adding, for government and critical infrastructure customers that require additional assurance, we provide drones that do not transfer data to DJI or through the Internet, and our customers can enable all the precautions that the Department of Homeland Security recommends. However, 
Despite all those assurances, the U.S. Army prohibited troops from using DJI drones starting in August 2017, which was the same month that the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement Department accused DJI of providing U.S. critical infrastructure and law enforcement data to the Chinese government. So there's a little dispute of opinion uh, between DJI and parts of the U.S. government. DJI, since that day, since August 2017, has introduced a privacy mode that prevents any data from being uploaded to the Internet, if you so desire. U.S. states are all using UAVs for things like road and bridge inspections, as well as creating complex farming programs and the like. Yeah, so I guess at this point, uh, do you trust DJI when they say, we'll, we'll give you a super secure mode if you don't want anything transferred to the internet, don't worry? Uh, you know, is, is, there, is there any scenario where that would not be true? I, I think that one of the things that I, I would tend to want to say is, well, these things are fairly well audited. And, and if the privacy mode wasn't blocking off internet connection, if there was a backdoor, uh, enough eyes are looking at this sort of thing that I would guess it would be found. But that sort of rhetoric doesn't seem to to change this thing. Uh, there has also never been evidence that there is a Huawei backdoor, uh, and, and the only evidence we've ever had of security problems in Huawei are are the normal security vulnerabilities. Some of them very bad, uh, as we've talked about in the UK study, but the kinds of things that are just bugs and aren't phoning home. They aren't backdoors that that malicious actors take take advantage of on purpose. So you could argue that like, okay, well, maybe the uh, Chinese government is taking advantage of, of those vulnerabilities the way that, that hackers and, and attackers do. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's possible. But that's quite a difference from saying it was designed in, which there's never been any evidence of. So I'm saying it, there's never been evidence of that at Huawei. That hasn't changed the U.S. approach to Huawei. Why would the lack of evidence with DJI change the U.S. approach to DJI? It shouldn't really. I, I mean, wouldn't guess it, it would. Yeah. 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 I don't know. The story it is gets more interesting every day. Well, the Huawei meat in our sandwich is over now. <laughs> it was good. Yeah. It good, you know, it depends on what kind of sandwich you <laughs> like. I liked it. Apple announced the 15-inch MacBook Pro will now come with eight core and six core processors that should make it run twice as fast as the previous quad core models and 40% faster than the six core. The 13-inch MacBook Pro with touch bar will now come with Intel's eighth gen quad core processors. Apple also announced three things regarding its keyboards. This should be good news for some of us who have had keyboard issues. A new material in the keyboard mechanism should reduce double type and the no type issues. Uh, All butterfly keyboards are now part of the keyboard service program, so you've got more care there. And it's promising faster repairs for those who do have issues anyway. Older MacBooks needing repair may get the new improved material as well. Uh, both of us, I, I have had uh, MacBook Pro keyboard problems. Mine, mine were a long time ago, a couple of years ago. Uh, yeah. Mine would spark when... <laughs> Uh, hit, it, it, hit certain it, letters yeah spark not, yeah yeah like coming right out of it yeah, just a little, little blue spark every once in a while my um, keyboard issues are not that big a deal but i've got you know the, the the backlight just decides that it wants to take a nap sometimes oh yeah um, i had that too that's actually why i got it replaced the spark i yeah. couldn't reproduce but the backlight going out that they, they replaced it and then the new one didn't spark anymore hmm. yeah i oh. never had the no type or the double type issue though uh, n- me either. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I'm actually using a MacBook Pro for the show that uh, also has a display that no longer works, so I have to use an external monitor. Uh, so you know this this is a 2016 late era 2016 uh, Touch Bar uh, 13 inch model that is 
known to be problematic, uh, but but anything that could be covered under an extended warranty, which Apple historically can really drag its feet on, even though there are many many message board uh, issues that it make, make it clear that you know it's it's a known issue. Uh, you know, it's it's if, if if you if it applies to you, then it's a good thing. Yeah. Or if you're in the market for a new MacBook Pro, might be the time. So here you go. Butterfly keyboards now part of the keyboard service program. So even your older models, uh, you can are now covered under this, which is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that is a good move by Apple. Uh, it's promising faster repairs uh, and, and detailed a few of the measures that that will allow for that. Which okay, uh, you know, devil's in the details there, proofs in the pudding, all those cliches. But uh, yeah, that's a that's a great thing to promise. I hope they follow through on it. Uh, new material in the keyboard mechanism that should reduce the problems. That's the one where it's like okay, you put in th- you put in the little like uh, the lining before they didn't really make a big deal out of that when they they didn't even admit they did it, but they did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, new material they won't tell us what the material is. I'm I'm a little the most doubtful about that when they're like I don't want to tell you what we did but we did some new material we did the science and now the right, science like, will save you yeah like what why why can't we know the material is it I not mean, a trustworthy material yeah, is, is it such is it like a new space age <laughs> patented material that you don't you can't explain because it's a trade secret I'm if it's a material if that's an advance in material science that big then uh, that's amazing you you should probably tout that and just not tell me what it is but that's yeah. not what they're saying so I don't know yeah. The U.S. Postal Service started the first of five round trips moving packages between Phoenix and Dallas. I think it's about a thousand miles using autonomous trucks from San Diego startup Too Simple. In a press release about the two week pilot, the USPS said it could possibly use a future class of vehicles to improve service, reduce emissions and save money. Too Simple will have a safety driver behind the wheel during these tests and also an engineer in the passenger seat who's kind of monitoring everything. The USPS spends more than $4 billion per year on highway trucking services and costs have been rising due to a shortage of drivers. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people realize this. Uh, I didn't until today. Yeah, when we we talk about like robots taking jobs, sometimes they're not taking jobs. They're doing things that not enough people want to do and this is one of them. Uh, So you, you... yeah, I'm not, I don't want to be glib and say, and so truck drivers don't need to worry because maybe they do, but it's a little early to worry, especially when this is supplementary. They're doing five round trips uh, for two weeks and then they're going to stop and reevaluate. But it's a step along that road. And it does show to my mind that trucking and freight is probably just like enterprises for augmented reality. Trucking and freight is probably where we'll see autonomous driving technology really become a a useful thing first. I I know that they say, hey, listen, you know, costs have been rising because not enough people are, are driving our trucks, so we're going to get the robots to do it. Will the savings be passed along to us eventually? Hard to say, but, I mean, okay. you know, you can't, you can't, you can't, you, you won't, won't happen unless you try, right? You know that's not the way it works, right? Right. It's not, they don't like, if they, this is, this is what I, I'm just going to go off on. A, on a, I'll try to limit my rant here, but you know, <laughs> it's not like everyone says, well, it costs this much to make a, make a widget. And so we will always sell it for five cents more than that. No matter what it costs. That, that's never the way it works. It's always like how much more than what it costs us. Can we sell it for? That's what's called margin. That's why right. when you talk about Amazon was operating at such thin margins, they were not charging a lot more than it cost them to run for a long time. So no, the cost might not be passed along to us, but they also might be if for if 
the pressure has been not to use the postal service, which has been the problem, and lowering the price could bring more people in and allowing for cheaper delivery would allow them to lower the price price and maintain their margin or even increase it a little, then yeah, it, that could pass the savings along to us, which would be a good thing. Watch out, Amazon. USPS coming for you. <laughs> yeah, it made me think of Amazon, <laughs> didn't it? Because you're like, oh, all we ever hear is like, Amazon's going to do the drone delivery, except they're not. Lots of other companies are. Amazon's going to do the self-driving trucks, except they're not. The U.S. Postal Service is in this particular case. So I, I'm not saying Amazon won't ever do this stuff, but they don't even need to be first, right? And I mean, the the knockoff effect really is once this technology is used with especially with a governmental agency and they can scale it to where they can actually leverage the the automation automation into at least maybe not lowering costs, but stabilizing so they don't see an increase year after year. um, That could bring down the price of the technology, but also encourage other companies. Hey, if the U.S. Postal Service says this works and it's working for them, why can't it use for Joe Blow, you know, short haul freight or, you know, moving company? And our our intern Amos points out the USPS has run at a budget deficit uh, for for some time. So, you know, if it could just reduce that, uh, that would be great. Finally, new imaging methods combined with a better understanding of the chemistry of fur and feather pigments has let scientists know what color a three million year old mouse's fur was. We'll explain why that's important. Uh, Reddish brown with a white underbelly, if you're wondering, is what the color was. Fur color comes from two kinds of melanin. Eumelanin, which produces the black and dark brown, combined with pheomelanin, which does the red and yellow. Now, eumelanin holds up over time. Uh, A lot of time when they tell you what color bird feathers were, or even some dinosaur feathers, it's because they can find the the eumelanin. Uh, But if the fur or the feathers relied on pheomelanin, they can't see it. It breaks down and it's gone. University of Manchester geochemist Roy Wogelius and his colleagues determined that tiny traces of zinc do remain behind after broken down pheomelanin turns into sulfur and then the sulfur disappears. So a technique called synchrotron X-ray fluorescence imaging uh, causes interactions that can be used to determine the patterns of metal traces. This is a kind of imaging they've been using for a long time, but they haven't been looking at the effects of the interactions with metals. So they started looking at it and figured out, oh, when it's zinc left from pheomelanin, it interacts this way, which lets us tell where the pheomelanin was, which then combined with the traces of eumelanin allow us to determine what color the fur was that was on this mouse. Now, has to be a pretty well-preserved mouse, which this 3 million-year-old uh, mouse uh, was. And there may be hundreds of these, certainly not thousands or millions of these uh, kinds of fossils that are preserved well enough to tell this. But that's enough to to be able to, to start making some advances on telling what these older animals looked like. And if you want more on this, uh, read Kiona N. Smith's article at Ars Technica. It's really good. Yeah, my my first sort of stupid question uh, when I was trying to wrap my brain around this story earlier was like, okay, well, I mean, besides the like, oh, okay, it was a red and white mouse. Like, how does that change anything? But I, I assume it would have a lot to do with how, you know, a species would evolve to escape prey. And it, mm-hmm. it, it gives us a lot more context on, you know, how, how things may have changed over the last million years. Yeah. And Amos was telling us in our in our pre-show that uh, one of the things that you can tell is a certain amount of intelligence. If, if there are parts of the coat or parts of the feathers that can be displayed uh, for mating purposes or to avoid, uh, for, avoid being prey purposes... Uh, that will tell you that this 
animal had a little higher level of intelligence because they had to know when to display the right parts of their coat or, or their feathers. So all kinds of things you can tell from this sort of thing. You can, uh, topology, you can determine roughly climate, right? I mean, if you have a reddish-brown animal, it's probably not living in a tundra or, or mm-hmm. area with heavy, heavy amounts of snow. So or you it can, had to you, lay on its back all the time in the tundra. Or, or that. <laughs> I just had to hide yeah, really well. Sense, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's, it's, it's fascinating. Like, you know, going back to the birds, you know, one of the things we realized 15, 20 years ago is that birds see color differently than we do. They see in an ultraviolet shift. And so when you look at it that way, all these things help determine not just what the animal looked like, but what the surroundings were. And that can kind of lead to all sorts of things. Like you can kind of maybe extrapolate climate, temperature, how long the day was, you know, stuff like that. So it's really fascinating. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And and I think the, the thing that brings this into a tech show is the fact that they're using a technique that has been around, uh, but finding a new way to use it. That 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 uh, synchrotron X-ray fluorescence imaging. Say it three times. Synchrotron. If you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, say dailytechheadlines.com three times and you'll be... Su- no, you actually have to go there uh, and subscribe. But uh, you can also just search Daily Tech Headlines in your favorite podcatcher and it'll show up there as well. It's on the Amazon Echo. It's on the Google Home. Get it all over the place. Find out more at dailytechheadlines.com. Speaking of headlines, you know who helps us with our headlines every day? In fact, they did this morning. Everybody who participates in our subreddit. You can submit stories and vote on others at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. We're also on Facebook. If you like Facebook groups, facebook.com slash groups slash dailytechnewsshow is your new favorite. All right, let's move on to Chris Christensen, the amateur traveler who has a niche hotel booking site for people who might want to stay near a subway. This is Chris Christensen from Amateur Traveler with another Tech in Travel Minute. I haven't used a travel agent in decades, and so I book, like most of you probably, online. I tend to use Hotels.com, which gives me a free night for every 10 I book, or Bookings.com, which is the other big site. But occasionally, I'll run across a niche site that is interesting, and one of these is HotelsNearTheMetro.com. And this is a site that if you're going to a major city with a metro system, you can find a hotel near a metro station and it will show you all the hotels and how far they are from the nearest metro station sometimes a niche site just answers the question you have i'm chris christensen from amateur traveler you know at first i thought he meant sandwiches but i think this might be better (laughs) i uh (laughs) i i actually this comes in real handy especially if you're going somewhere where the weather's not going to be nice being near a subway, I'm also a fan of subways and metro systems in general uh, could really come in handy. Yeah, I, I I always look at my hotels and see if they're near train stations uh, for this very reason. So I, I might make some good use of this. All right, let's check out the mailbag. Let's do it. Jeff wrote in, hoping for an answer to a 5G conversation that we've been having. We keep kicking it around on the show. Jeff says, do we really need new spectrum every time we move to a new G? It's never been clear to me how much of each generation's speed up comes from improvements in protocol versus inherent benefits from the new spectrum. Could the next Gs use software-defined radio, SDR, such that as the G after that comes along, we can stay on the same spectrums as carriers push out new SDR definitions to all devices. Over the course of a few months, staged rollouts, we could be on Super G Plus advanced evolution together. As the carriers phase out the current uh, current legacy networks, the spectrum could be added to the SDR network to broaden capacity. 
I'm sure some frequencies would be better than others in this case, but that's not all that different than it is now. What's wrong with this approach? I recognize that this reduces the economic motivation for network equipment makers to develop future networks. But is there a technical reason that I'm not understanding? Yeah, I uh, I imagine if this was easy, we'd probably see a bigger push to do it. Uh, he's talking about using software to find radio uh, to obviate the need to to just get clear spectrum for things because you can share spectrum that way. I know that one of the reasons that we need new spectrum uh, is because there are capacity issues. Uh, so, so you have to sometimes for a protocol to work, it just has to be on a different spectrum. Uh, I also know that older spectrum doesn't get released as fast as maybe you think. There are still two G uh, uses out there, so you have to wait a long time for spectrum to be released. There was a whole battle over getting rid of uh, the licenses for the white space between television channels uh, because the interference between television channels on digital broadcast is not as much as it was on analog broadcasts. But all that said, uh, that doesn't really bear on his idea of using software to find radio uh, to create new capacity. Uh, That is outside my area of expertise. But if there's anybody working in the telecom industry who, and I know you're out there, uh, who can say like, this is why we could or why we couldn't or what the challenges are with software to find radio, uh, send us an email, feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining us. Uh, Yesterday, I made the mistake of saying we had five more people uh, than last month. Now we have one more person than last month because a bunch of you didn't listen and left. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Uh, or at least four of you did. So uh, if you are thinking of becoming a member of DTNS, why not do it now? Uh, We've got a new bonus episode looking back at five years ago. We just look at the actual Daily Tech News show lineups from five years ago uh, and talk about what was going on then. That's for folks at the $10 and up level. Uh, We've got all kinds of live with it uh, content planned coming from Sarah Lane. We've got Roger's column coming out on Thursday. And that's all available for members at patreon.com slash DTNS. We also love your feedback. Our email address is feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. Keep them coming. If you can join us live, well, good news for you. We're live Monday through Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 2030 UTC. And you can find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. Back tomorrow with Scott Johnson. Talk to you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> 
Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hi, this is Bachelor Clues from Game of Roses, of course, and I want to talk about Club Med. Everybody knows Club Med has been the pioneer of the all-inclusive resort since 1950 with almost 70 resorts worldwide, ranging from beachside destinations in the Caribbean and Mexico to exotic locations like the Maldives and Morocco or even the mountain destinations like Japan and the European Alps. Dine on delicious gourmet cuisine, enjoy more than 20 activities, and make memories with your family. For more information, visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor.